Hi, fellow history enthusiasts, and welcome to the Detecting History podcast about all things buried and ancient. My name is Katie McDoyle. Together, we'll be diving deep into the past every week as we bring you history, metal detecting, mudlarking, and fossil hunting news, alongside some fantastic expert interviews. So whether you're a seasoned expert or a fellow beginner like myself, we're going to explore it all together. Welcome to this week's episode of the Detecting History podcast. Can you believe we're already in the first week of October and it's going to be 26 degrees for some of us this weekend? What is this madness? I will be getting out early myself on Saturday um, so not to get too hot and then I can relax in some last minute sunshine. This week I've got a really exciting guest for you and something different. We've got Gary, Magnet Fishing Menace, on the podcast this week with such interesting information about the hobby of magnet fishing. He also detects as well, a newbie in detecting. He's got some fantastic stories about all the different bits and pieces he's found. And I learned so much. I really didn't understand or appreciate how difficult magnet fishing can be. So yeah, enjoy. Welcome everybody to this week's episode of Detecting History Podcast. We're really lucky to be joined by Magnet Fishing Menace today. Gary, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> oh, you're very welcome, you're very welcome. You're giving me a, a welcome break from uh, decorating today. Um, you know, keep, keep, keep asking the questions. <laughs> we aim to please yes if anyone wants to get away from their diy task do come on and be a guest on the podcast brilliant so um gary i'm i've been following you for you for a while on instagram you've got like nearly 2.5k followers on instagram and you've been posting for a long time and i love your content because you do a little bit of everything and you can see your passion for history you do some magnet fishing you sometimes manage to get down and do some mudlarking i think you've just started detecting as well um so what brings you to all things history what do you love about history and what drives you in your hobby I've I've always kind of it's it's not it's less of the history it's more of the the searching. I just love uh, looking for things. I've always been I've always had hobbies that involve searching things out. Well, I, I used to kind of go to Poland quite a lot, and I was I was obsessed with looking for um, for street art, and I because there was there was nothing, nothing else to do in this in the city that I used to visit. So I, I'd go around all, like looking for all these. Like stencil graffiti and there was always this like crazy sheep um graffiti artist and I'd, I'd look for that and then that kind of moved on to things like um ebay and, and like going to car boots and looking for like things that are worth a lot of money which i could go and sell on um then kind of brought me on to kind of um like magnum fishing magnum fishing's the like the first thing that kind of got me into the searching for um for different kind of items um but it's, it's weird now because I, I i don't know like people are always asking you what, what you're looking for and i'm not really looking for anything specific as such i'm just mm. looking to see what's there and if it, it turns out it's something cool then then so be it but if it's not it's not it's, it's not it's not an issue it's just you know it's just part of my hobby 
Mm, everything's kind of interesting, isn't it? I like that take on it. We are finders and seekers, aren't we? I'm, I'm always talking about that feeling when you're not quite sure what something is, but you found it and then you have yeah. to look into it, don't you, and research it. Yeah, that's interesting. I was think, thinking there when you were talking about myself and have you ever heard geocaching? I have, yeah, yeah. Go no, and... that's a bit, I used to do that in the Peak District quite a lot. Um, oh, was, I used to run um, performing arts summer camp up there. Me and my, my colleagues used to do it on the weekend. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's, just, yeah, it's just fun to look for stuff, isn't it? I like, but I do it like, like the historical stuff. Like once you've found something there, it is of um, historical significance. It is fun, like, Googling the information about it and then, then kind of informing people about it. And I, I never really know if people find it interesting or not on, on Instagram. Sometimes people can be a bit flaky about they're just there to see certain things and then they move on. So I do I do try and write a bit of a blurb about stuff, but no, you don't mm. don't always get a huge huge amounts of feedback on there about whether they that's what they're after. And then yeah, so yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, so which part of the the UK are you actually in? So I'm in Cambridgeshire, um, a predominantly magnet fish, the River Neen or or the Nen, depending on where you are. Um, yeah. But I also kind of cover uh, River Welland in Spalding and the River Cam in Cambridge. These are kind of my area, kind of East Anglia. Um, occasionally, I I go out to different different uh, areas, but it just kind of depends um, if I'm just there for a specific reason. Do, do occasional tours. We do. We have like um, magnet fishing uh, collabs um, or collaborations, and so I, I occasionally go to some of those. Um, but that's that's more more on occasion. Lovely. So you're in a high history area anyway, Cambridge and East Anglia. There's a yeah, lot yeah, going yeah. on, isn't there, in those areas? Brilliant. Okay. And what do you need to consider? So I've um, I've never been magnet fishing myself, but obviously with detecting, you've got the Treasure Act and you need to have insurance um, and all the rest of it. What do you need to consider when you're magnet fishing in terms of who, how do you get started? How, well, um, yeah, if if the area that the river is in is private land, you, you can't fish on it. Um, the... The things you need to consider, are, if you're new to it, I would consider, don't like. A lot, I see a lot of families go magnet fishing, and they some of them they go straight to a part of the river that has um, metal barriers all along the side, and then you you like watching horror as their their first cast gets them stuck straight to the wall, <laughs> and then that's their day over. Yeah. So I would I would consider where you're going. Um, there are certain spots that people think are probably more likely that you'll find stuff. But the problem with magnet fishing now is that so many places have kind of been done to death that the most obvious places, you don't really get huge amounts there anymore because it's just been done. Yeah. So you're looking for, so like bridges, for example. But um, yeah, you, you want to find somewhere where there's a lot of footfall um, or there's a nearby road that's like next to the river. Because sometimes you get a lot of people, well, criminals dumping things, and so easy access to the river basically is what you're after. Um, yeah, yeah, just but yeah, yeah, that, that really. So that's <laughs> good. And top tips as well. If you're thinking about starting, those are already some really good top tips. You don't want to be going where it's already been done and you're not going to find anything. And and also those kind of high footfall areas of a trashy. 
Yeah, but I would say like the places that are done, you do. I get a lot of people who they'll come up to you and say, "Oh, this this spot's been done already. You might as well move on." And it's not really how the river works because your magnet is kind of trawling through the mud a bit, and like you can go, you can you can go all day on one spot and find like next to nothing, and you can come back to it a couple of weeks later, and the level of the the river has changed, and you can like. I've seen people pull out safes in spots where you think, well, where, where was that a couple of weeks ago? It wasn't there <laughs> then, but it's clearly been there for like 40 odd years. So yeah, yeah, you can, it's not, it's, so people tell you don't, don't fish there because it's been done. I, I would suggest still go because you just never know really. Yeah, that's very similar to detecting then. We always say field's never done. And yeah, I guess the weather takes, um, changes things doesn't it if it's been like a really fast flow yeah hugely hugely mm. like, like when um i always love going magnet fishing like kind of after the winter storms because the, the 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 riverbed itself has changed so completely and you'll you'll find a lot straight after that um mm. um but not during because you get <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be no. there during no no that's right in in all of our areas beach combing fossil hunting absolutely well, the weather can be our friend and also our foe yeah, can't it and we all love a we all love a good storm and a bit of wetness and then it, it changes things for us and really brings a new, an area alive that you might have thought was completely yeah, done exactly, already yeah. um so what what's your gear then when you go out um magnet fishing we'll go first and then we'll talk about your detecting gear um so yeah, I, I tend to use a clamp magnet when, when I'm alone um, with it's about 800 kilogram pull force. It's double-sided. Yeah. Um, you can go higher. The problem is when you're alone, when, when your magnet gets stuck, you are. it's really hard to get them off when you're by yourself. And sometimes you need a few people just to pull it off. Um, and I've got a few magnets, a few very expensive magnets stuck and I had to abandon them. And after after um, you lose a few, because some of them cost upwards to like three hundred pounds. When wow. you lose one of them, it's quite it's quite devastating. Yeah. Um, so I tend to I, I bring it down when I'm alone, and if I go on a um, a collab, I'll 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 take one of my my stronger magnets because I know there's going to be a lot of people there. Something if you get connected to something, and normally. I think people will think when you get stuck, you it's the magnetism that's getting you stuck, which it isn't always the case. Often it's like trees or mm. bits of debris under the ground that you've kind of got like snagged in it in a um, like a crack, and it's 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 really hard sometimes to get them off. You have to kind of work it from different angles, um, and if you're lucky, you get them off. But I've lost, I think, because I've been I've been magnet fishing for four and a half years and i think i've lost about six magnets wow and i found i found four magnets so it's kind of a bit of give and take but <laughs> you, you can see it <laughs> um but, but yeah so you um yeah you've got to be a bit careful <laughs> wow and when, when you're talking about collabs or these collaborations are these kind of events where a few of you get together or is it where you just might go out with a magnet fishing buddy what are those yeah yeah, so um, sometimes it's just a small groups. Um, other times there's, uh, there's there's two kind of main ones in um, in the UK. So we have uh, Magnet Fishing Day, which is normally around July. It was July, I think it was July fifteenth 
Um, like they've changed the date this year. I think it's the seventh, and that's run by um, a chap up north, uh, um, Patriot Magnets. Um, and there's another one in the Midlands called the Outcast Collab, um, which was also quite fun. That's 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 also in the summer, I think. I think the last time I, I was going on holiday, and I kind of had to swing past that one. <laughs> um, Don't blame you. But yeah, those are the amazing. But you get. Yeah, at these you can get hundreds, hundreds of people turn up for it. Wow! Um, yeah, it's quite nice just to kind of meet other people and just kind of you, you see you watch a lot of people on on Instagram and YouTube and just to kind of you, you know you chat to them and online, but to see them in person, it's always quite nice. I think. Yeah. So I always try to I try to make the effort yeah. when I can. It is nice to meet them in person. That's your magnet fishing yeah. uh, gear. You say you've got a, de- a detector. What detector have you got? So I've got a MineLab Equinox 800. Um, Fantastic. It's a good machine then. It's, yeah, it's, I've not had it very long. I've found bits and bobs is all, all I can say. I, 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 be, I don't ever... I see a lot of people find stuff on the beaches and other than small change, I don't really find anything on beaches. Um, I've done a few few fields with my a club that I, I'm part of, and I found some. I took the one the one thing I found this. Wasn't it? We never quite identified it, but it was um, it was like a belt buckle, and it looked quite old. And I was quite pleased because it was something different to trash. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and then and yeah, a few a few odd coins, but nothing nothing. I think wow, like I, I I'm still kind of chasing. A, a hammered coin or um, a bit of gold. <laughs> yes, we all want the gold, that's for sure. You'll get there, absolutely. Yeah. If it's there, you'll find it eventually. you just got to walk over it. <laughs> it's, one, it's one thing about magnetism because gold's not magnetic, which is really annoying because everyone's, every, when, when, when you're fishing, people are like, oh, have you found any gold yet? And you get to the point where oh, I don't want to have to explain that gold's not magnetic, yes. so I'm like, never going to catch it. Yes. Um, but I don't, yeah. But I have, I have, I have. To my credit, I did find um, four gold-plated forks. So oh, there you go. <laughs> I told you about that. <laughs> you can talk about that. Yeah, it's polar opposites, isn't it, in terms of metal detecting and, and magnet fishing, and the, the ferrous and non-ferrous metals, and what's magnetic and not magnetic, and all yeah, the rest yeah. of it. So you kind of live in these two worlds, don't you? So I can imagine. Yeah, you must have to explain it so many times to people when they see you. okay brilliant well you started touching upon upon it there but let's talk about your finds then so your best find or what you class as your best most favorite find while magnet fishing so far what might that be right so this is it's quite tricky um well when people ask you they they expect you to tell them all about the guns and the grenades and the bullets you found and i don't really find them particularly interesting Mm. Um, I, have, I have found uh, it was a World War II uh, Webley MK4 military shoe uh, hand pistol, which is probably one of my best guns. Wow! But I was, I was quite. It's, it's, it's always a bit devastating catching things like that because you can't keep them. So it's um, you've got to just got to hand them in. Mm. Um, so they're not really. They're nice, and I think when I started magnet fishing, my my aim was to catch a gun, like. I play a lot of poker, and all the boys are always, oh, have you, have you found a gun yet? And yeah. I, when I, found, I eventually found one, and it was probably a bit of a weird day, actually, because I was fishing um, 
on my local embankment and this there was a guy behind me sat on a bench and uh, I pulled in this bag, opened the bag and this like this gun fell out and I was like, Oh my god, I found a gun and yeah. this I looked at the guy behind me and he looked at me, he looked at the gun and they just just said nothing. It was a really kind of like <laughs> it's almost like he, he sees this every day. I was like a bit kind of like, I'm a bit gutted. <laughs> he didn't get wow. <laughs> but um yeah, so it's not so it's not it's not guns or, or bullets. Um my favourite my favorite my favourite fight actually I've not I've not really told people about this. Um it's my what if fight. Yeah. So I was um a guy, I was fishing in town, and a guy told me that when he was younger, he threw this box of coins in the river um, down in our Walton. And uh, whenever anybody tells me that they've thrown something in or something's gone in, I'll, I'll go look for it. I kind of see it as like a side quest. Yeah. So I went to search search for this this box, which I've, I've never found. But I did find this... Um, it was a lever for a paddle gate, and when I cleaned it up, it had a date on it, and it was it was it's either seventeen o two or seventeen twenty two. It's kind of can't figure out the third digit, and so I I googled the information about like the local area, and something else came up. Um, it came up that Sir Sir Henry Royce was actually born in a mill on the river, and it was right next to a spot that I'd been fishing. And then it kind of kind of dawned on me that I'd caught something that was related to Henry, the original guy behind Rolls Royce. Oh, okay. And I'd I'd, I'd found this 1900s um, wood mill foot pump, which was part of the toolkit for a Rolls Royce. Wow. And the rust on it was equivalent to the time period that he would have been there. Um, we kind of judge rust by, well, as far as I'm aware, it's it's about. An inch for every forty years. Okay, that's been under the water. Mm. Um, so I've been I've been searching all over the place to try and prove that because the problem was Sir Henry Royce, although he was born on this mill, and I, I spoke to their society and he almost been drowned there at one point as well. Wow. But he left when he was quite young, and he he moved to London. Um, he then came down back to Peterborough and worked on the trains. So if he lived in Peterborough, he could have very well come back to there. But at that point, he had he still hadn't made Rolls Royce. So then he, he moved out, I think it was up to Derbyshire. And in his later life, he came back. But he was quite a secretive guy, so you, couldn't, you can't find out really where he's been. Mm. But if you look at the old maps, the point where I caught it would have been the road up to the river. Wow. Um, but that, sadly, is as far as I can get. I cannot prove that it's his. And unfortunately, the, the local church um, do like a Sir Henry Royce Day every year. Yeah. So I don't know if somebody maybe turned up for it and came down to the river and to pay their respects and have just thrown it in. <laughs> um, I'd, love to, I'd love to be able to say it's definitely his, but I can't. <laughs> Uh, but if anybody, if anyone's listening and, and and knows for a fact that he did turn up there and had a flat tire, can they get in contact with me? Yeah, <laughs> do it, do it. 
I like the way you call it your what if vine because it still has that air of mystery, doesn't it? And you've done all that research. It but... does, it does. Yeah. yeah, no, that sounds good. <laughs> that sounds good. Okay, cool. So that obviously is one of your best finds. And like you say, you found a few guns and grenades and all that kind of stuff. Well, t- tell us what happens yeah. when you find something like that. Do you uh, immediately call the police and just get them to come to you? What's your procedure for that? So, so I've so I found two shells and one grenade and some other bits kind of smaller bits um the first time i caught um shell i was it was just outside of which was coming down from um from lockdown and i caught it under a motorway now they, they say once you catch something just to leave it alone the problem I had was that if I left it there and called the police, they'd have to close the motorway above me. Mm. So I, I actually moved it to a, a safer spot away from the road and away from people and then called it in. Um, I do find sometimes with magnifishers there, they love the drama and they'll they'll get things closed down and that it's not good for magnifishing in general because it ends up getting magnifishing banned. Yeah. Um so yeah, I called that in. The the police came out and they dealt with that. Um and they the police are always quite quite cool about it. They're quite they're, they're all kind of interested mm. in what you found half the time. Yeah. Um the the grenade the grenade was a harder one because um I was actually in a kayak and I'd um it's kind of a new thing where you, you, you kayak along. Because I used to be part of my university kayak um, club. So I just thought, oh, you know, I'll just try this again. Yeah. So you dip. And I, I pulled up this, um, it was a World War Two Mills grenade, still with a pin in it. Uh-huh. Uh, but I was right next to a, a boat um, restaurant. So I thought, I can't drop it down. And also... I'd, I'd spent the entire summer trying to trying to find a grenade. Really, it's kind of it was on my kind of bucket list, and tons of people in Cambridge were, were catching them. And so I kept going down there, but never catching one. And weirdly, then right at the end of the summer, I, I catch one in my in my hometown. So I've got this grenade in one hand, and then the paddle in the other. But I'm thinking I can't, I can't, I can't go straight to the riverbed because it was quite a pedestrianised spot, mm. and I think it's not not wise to kind of rock up with a grenade so i paddled to the center of the river and i paddled up river one-handed while i was holding the grenade <laughs> oh, to get to a spot <laughs> away from everybody and then luckily my, my i was fishing with a friend at the time and um he called the police whilst i was i, I was got to the side and the uh, and also took a photo which was the, the most important part there's no photo it didn't happen and right then, <laughs> <laughs> quick quick photo op and then the police came, and um, it was a bit odd, really, because the policeman, he didn't know what to do. And he was like, can you just hold on to the grenade whilst the bomb squad get here? And I was like, well, how, they go- how long are they going to be? And he was like, probably about an hour and a half. Oh, gosh. I was like, oh, I'd rather put it down <laughs> if that's all right. <laughs> so my friend got a bucket of water, and we, we put it in a bucket of water, and then I paddled away from it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was that was a fun day. Yeah, there's a cracking photo of you on your Instagram. If anybody's interested, head over to Magnet Fishing Menace. So it's Magnet underscore Fishing underscore Menace on Instagram. And there's this picture yeah, yeah. of you, and you're just kind of like, oh, <laughs> you've got the grenade there <laughs> on the end of your line. 
we we call that joining the uh, joining the pineapple club. If you, if you catch a grenade, that's, you join the pineapple club. Ah, <laughs> oh, that's new to me. I like that. That's brilliant. I understand that because also this <laughs> texture on the grenade. Um, yeah. I've seen actually a couple of things. You found a flare as well, didn't you? I think, and then you had it in a, a dog bowl of water. Was it a flare? It yeah. It was a. Uh, at the time, I didn't know what it was, um, but it was a um, an aircrew flare. So it's got like bumps on one side and flat on the other, and one side was a flare, and the other side was a of a spoke bomb. Um, oh, yeah. Very, very, I call it in a very weird spot. Like you went for, I don't. It was out in the countryside, and um, yeah, I got it home, and it was that was an unusual one. And follow up question then: Why is it good to put these things in like a vessel of water when you're waiting for things to happen or waiting to dispose of them? I think because it. Mm-hmm. I think. It doesn't change because that's the, the the environment it's been in. I, I just don't want to mm. change the environment it's been in. Like even when I had the the grenade, I was kind of trailing it underwater as I paddled. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just just to be safe, really. I'm not. I don't. I don't know the ins and outs of it. Um, and it, it might not even be a case of that it being particularly helpful. But I just think if it if it's if it's keeping the environment the same, then hopefully it's not going to go off. Um, yeah, the 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 big ones are not are not the most dangerous, I think, because they're very obvious. It's the what is the things that aren't obvious that are more dangerous. I've seen quite a lot of kind of amateur magnifiers catch. They're called track explosives. Um, oh yeah, they used to put them on on the tracks of trains, and when when the train. Um, goes over it it kind of makes a like a big bang and i see them all the time on the floor and people have kind of discarded them not really understanding what they are i just think like if somebody hit that it's you know it could be and i know there was a um a boy in australia who hit one with a hammer and he lost his hat oh goodness and so they've got a lot they've got a lot of punch to them mm. but i think if you are starting google uh if you are starting magnet fishing i would suggest googling what they look like so that if you do catch one, you know what it looks like. Yeah. It's like a small disc with, with straps on it. Right, okay. And what was its original inten- intended use then on the railways? So they, 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 it was for signalling, I think. It just kind of signalled something because um, it would just be like pop, 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 pop. Yeah. Just as, as the train goes along it. Okay. You can see like videos of them yeah. um, online. Very interesting. I've never heard of those before. So, yeah, absolutely. People... Yeah, but there's... There's literally hundreds of them in the river. Wow. Like you, there's lots of them. You got, especially near anywhere near a train um, track, you, you'll find quite a lot of them. Yeah, maybe. Do you think it's that they've been sort of like launched a distance when they've been hit and they've not gone off and then ended up in the river? No. Um, that was a follow-up question, actually, I was going to have. You don't think it's that. Why do these things end up in the river? Why are there grenades in the river? What do you, what's your theory? I think they've just been discarded. Like, I think... The train. Anybody working in, in the history in trains, like Peterborough especially, there was so much train metal in the river, like they just must have been dumping it in there. Um, they've got a lot to answer for. I know sometimes things fall in, but yeah. there is proportionally a huge amount in the rivers. They have been dumping stuff in there for hundreds of years, and there's still mm-hmm. spots now. Like I can go there every time, and I'm I'm pulling stuff out. It's that's associated to them. Um, but yeah, I just think I just think 
if if you've got all these things and you've not used them and they've stopped using them, I think they've just dumped them in there because it's probably the from from their point of view, probably it's easier. Yeah. yeah, dump them in there and then you don't have to go back to the yard and put it back or whatever. Yeah, I understand. But I do I do appreciate some of, some of the stuff they they've dumped in there. I get a lot of um, train plaques, which are which are my, my bread and butter. I love a I love a good train track uh, plaque. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like your before and after uh, sort of pictures of when you first find it and then when you've cleaned it up a bit and you can see all the detail on there. Yeah, yeah. They, they are the, of, of all the things to clean up, plaques are the best because they're quite chunky. Um, it's it's a good, at the end, the end result is always, always the best. I've, at the moment, I'm cleaning up a, um, yeah. it's an old 19, I think 1940s, 1950s cash register. And Ooh. it's... Um, it's it's so difficult because the front bit is really thin metal, and every time you take a little bit of rust off it, it like pokes a hole through it, and you're like, it's a bit. But with like plaques, you're never going to have that problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's your technique for for removing rust for different items then? So I I I leave them to soak in white vinegar. Um, then I use wire brushes. I've got a it's a it's a power engraver, but I use it to chip away the rust very kind of slowly. Yeah. Um, but that is very slow because it heats up quite quickly. So you've got you've mm. got to do it in like twenty minute spots, mm. and it can it takes you're looking at well probably about eight hours sometimes for some of the things to, to clean them up properly. Um, there's a lot of hard hard graft really. You can use um, electrolysis. I've always had bad. I've, 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 temp, I've attempted it a few times. And I don't know if I'm doing it wrong, but it, it doesn't seem to work very well when I do it. Um, mm. So I just stick to stick to what I know. Yeah, I've seen people try that on um, crusty coins and that. And yeah, same. I've not really seen any really good results on that. And you don't, you know, you don't want to destroy the item either, do you? You want to take your time yeah. and judge on when you've done enough restoration and you need to leave it alone. <laughs> Otherwise it will fall to bits. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's easily done. Yeah. What's the weirdest thing you found when out and about? Anything you're just like shaking your head at going, kind of, wow, okay. Um so I've got I've found a few. So I've um I had a, a spanner uh, connected to a suspicious box of white powder, um, which, which I presume was drugs. Um, I, yeah. I, it I had um, I, I connected to a pole, which then connected to a bag, and inside the bag was like a box. So I opened the box, and there was another box or, or another bag, and I, and it, it kept going like this until I got down to this piece of wow. paper and on the piece of paper it was i opened it up and it still had a bit of water damage on it and it was an arabic letter so i, I sent it to a friend of mine who always translates anything that's arabic and he told me that it is certain parts were hard to read because of the damage but he thinks it was a curse um so i, I may be cursed <laughs> that was a bit of an odd one oh um it's, I wouldn't say this was odd. It was quite sad in a way. But I, I once, I found this bag and it had like a brick in it, mm. and which is always a good sign, as a When when you know someone's weighed something down, you're thinking you're in. So I, 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 I poured it onto the side of the of the the river, and out came this baby's bottle, and uh, 
inside of it, I could see there was something that was like silver, but it was like, because it was all muddy, I couldn't quite take it out. So I took it home and I cleaned up the outside. I was a bit kind of, I was, I, it was, it was, it was a bit of kind of alarm bells because it was a baby's bottle. I was thinking, mm. what, you know, what is this? Yeah. So I cleaned up the side and inside there was, I could see there was this, um, um, this, this thimble. And um, I was thinking, what, what is that? It's like a silver thimble in there. Yeah. So I Googled all the things to do with like, bottles and thimbles. And I couldn't find anything. And then I, felt I, was, I was about to give up and I spotted at the bottom of this wicker page about Peter Pan and how he'd given this, um, was it a thimble? Or was it a thimble? Um, a kiss to a lost child. Um, oh. And so I Googled the spot and unfortunately um, a, a, a toddler drowned in that spot. Um, oh no! And so I think that was a like a yeah something for that. So I had to actually take it back and um, put it back into the water, yeah. which was more awkward than anything because I got there and there was lots of people around. I didn't want to look like I was being like yeah. dumping a weapon or anything. Yeah. So I had to kind of wait until it started raining and then people kind of moved out of the way and then I kind of respectfully put it back. It yeah. was quite sad, really. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was one of the weirder ones. Yeah, very interesting though, and to and to you know find that out and then yeah, respectfully put it back. I've seen that on a few people's videos. They do often find a lot of in different cultures. They tend to send you know messages or like you say curses. They a lot of cultures throw things into the river, don't they? And then I was going to say you often see people then exactly what you've just done. They do the research and then they go, okay, I'm going to put that back because that's meant to be in the river. You know, it's not doing any harm. Yeah. There is there is a lot of religious offerings you do come across quite a lot. Yeah. Um, but I kind of if if you know what it is, like nowadays, like I generally know what I'm looking at, so I'll leave stuff like that alone. Yeah, yeah. No, some interesting stuff there. Okay, how how do you um? What would you say your, is your favourite history era that you find bits and pieces from? Probably the kind of World War Two era for me. I feel like as a kid, I was always obsessed with toy soldiers and reading about wars and stuff. It's a bit of a boy thing. I just, yeah, I love that. I love that era. I don't, um, a lot of the stuff I do find around here is more train related. So it's not quite as fun as some of the stuff you can find, but anything kind of related to it. But I do, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's kind of the 1940s era is, is, is my spot, which is, mm. I, know, I know it's not very late. I know like a lot of people in metal detect think it's, it's not really a, a decent era <laughs> when you look back on the, the history of stuff but for me it's, it's just yeah i, I kind of like that area it's kind of the, it's the cooler things you find really from that era as well for, for magnification anyway yeah 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 a lot, well a lot of us metal detectorists we do like finding the old cat badges and anything military and the big uh sort of shells and everything that we find or bullets cast yeah. off and you think you know what was going on i'm quite near a, an airfield that was used heavily in world war Two. Um, so I find quite a lot in the fields about, and you think, oh, how did, you know, were they here? Were they training? Or was there some kind of dogfight going on in the sky? And then, you know, a shell's fallen down and landed in the field. It's just fascinating, isn't it? So, yeah, fan of that era myself. Well, one of the first things I think I ever caught was um, a World War Two incendiary bullet. I caught it in Ely, and um, I didn't really, and it looked like a door hinge. And um, so I was, I, was, I was tapping it, and then, yeah, I realised it was in, an incendiary bullet. And um, I took it to the police station and um, I put it on the on the desk and told him what it was. Yeah. 
and um, somebody behind me um, just came through the, through the door, and they had these kind of automatic doors, and it was a really windy day, and the incendiary bullet, the, the wind came gusting through, and the bullet started rolling, and I had to dash across the camera oh. to stop it from landing on the floor. Oh, my goodness. It ended us quite quickly. <laughs> what a palaver. That's so funny. <laughs> and the police person's yeah. like, what's going on? <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. No, I like that. Okay, and then if we sort of switch, I've always got the question for the detectorist, and as you are a detectorist, um, what would you be your favourite era in history? What would you love to find? I think you mentioned Hammered. You know, did you have a, a favourite um, monarch emperor that you had in mind for something you want to find? Uh, I don't really. I'm not. I'm not a massive history buff. Um, generally, like I say with magnets, there's only certain coins that are magnetic. So you don't really, other than um, Queen Elizabeth, you don't really find much else. Um, yeah. So, Anything old, I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not picky for, for um, because yeah. I'm such a noob to it. I think once I, I find certain coins and research it and kind of discover it for myself, I'm not going to appreciate it. So, and that's kind of how I learn yeah. history from the the items that I catch. So once I find it, then, then I'll, I'll kind of appreciate it a bit more. I think. Yeah, that's so true. That's exactly the same with me. So I've not been going long. Um, and uh, in the intro of the of the podcast, you hear about learning history together because it's exactly the same for me. I did geography in school, didn't do a lot of history, and then and then my interest started. So I'm not great on my Romans, etc. So when I find something, I really do enjoy researching it there and then, and and learning as I go. So yeah, that's that's really really accurate there. Um, dry spells. We always talk about dry spells and metal detecting land. Sometimes we feel like we've been cursed for a few few weeks or months. Do you have something similar like that in magnet fishing? Well, you always get drenched when you're magnet fishing, um, <laughs> but um, you do. Yeah, I think there are, there are patches of river which. Um, so during the whole COVID, there was a huge kind of dry spell because you didn't really do much. Um, yeah. And. You go through, yeah, I think winter generally is the harder time because it's not really, it's not a term in terms of you finding stuff. It's, it's terms of, it's really sometimes it's it's difficult, especially locally for me, to access the river because it, it kind of floods a yeah. lot and you're kind of waiting for the floods to recede before you can fish it again. You go through kind of, yeah, winter dry spells, but the light as well in the evening so you don't re i've recently been going night fishing a few times but i don't recommend it um it's only because i've got so f a little free time at the moment that i've been doing it um yeah but it's it's tricky in the in the evening and i think it's a bit more dangerous because sometimes you can't really see what what's going on um unless you've got a huge amount of and it's a bit I've, I've been doing this local wood next to a river and it's, it always freaks me out a little bit so I stay till about half eight, and then I think no, that's that's enough for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, generally it's just kind of the winter, really. Yeah. It's cold as well. Like you don't when you're fishing in really cold water, like you, you can do it for about a couple of hours, and then your hands you, you kind of have to give up. You kind of mm, yeah, you do forget every year. I forget just how cold it can get, 
And when you when you're walking around and you know you got gloves on, but I still always get end up getting cold to the bone. Just can't wait to get home and get in a bath and heat up again. But yeah, and the light yeah, as well. Yeah. I hadn't considered the light. You're right. Obviously, when we're deep in winter, you don't have so much time, do you? And then obviously life gets in the way. All your family commitments yeah. and DIY, as you said earlier, and things like moving house gets in the way, doesn't it? Gets in the way. <laughs> it does indeed. What advice have you got? You've already given us some cracking bits and pieces, but have you got any advice um, for people that want to start out in magnet fishing? I mean, you've already told us about the different bits and pieces. You really need to be careful when you research so that when you find things, you you deal with them appropriately. You don't want to end up um, having an issue or um, any explosions or anything like that. If, you, if you're just starting, I would, the best piece of advice would be don't buy the most expensive magnet ever. Um, you're going to lose a magnet um, early on. It's just a part of the learning process. So if it's a cheaper magnet, I'd say cheap, so around the £100 mark is probably where you want to be at. Yeah. Um, stick stick, stick away from places with metal sides. Um, don't leave your scrap. That's a big one. A lot of people kind of just leave their scrap everywhere. And this is this causes issues as well. No, just 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 kind of as I mentioned, like stick to the places where you, you think people are gonna gonna drop stuff or, or leave stuff. Yeah, boaters, people who own boats are always pretty good at dropping stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they leave stuff for you to find. Now they're all good tips, and I wouldn't yeah. have even considered like metal sides if I was starting out. So that is that is a top tip. And then yeah, similar to detecting, don't go nuts and, and get the most expensive magnet first. And yeah, you're going to lose. Bits yeah. and pieces, aren't you? One one good tip though, um, if you're going in a kayak, because it's kind of a bit of a new thing, a lot of people are doing it. It's very different to when you fish on land. So when when you're on land and you pull the magnet, the magnet comes to you. When you're in a kayak, you are kind of pulled towards the magnet. Right. So if you're not very experienced in a kayak, you you're, you can you'll be very easily kind of uh, fall in. So it can be quite dangerous, and you're not you're not really you're more kind of just dropping the magnet up and down rather than dragging it along in a kayak. Yeah. Um, so just just be careful. Um, unfortunately, um, a, a guy that I used to fish with tried doing it on. Well, we we think he was doing it on a on a paddle boat, and he ended up drowning. Oh goodness. Um, so it is. Yeah, it was quite quite sad. Mm. Um, so it is is something you need to be aware of. The water, the water can be quite dangerous. So I, I would I wouldn't suggest. Going in the kayak, I kind of do a less now. So I don't. Other than the grenade, I caught first time. I've, I've never caught anything since. Mm. Um, so I'd, I'd I'd stick to the the um the riverbank. Yeah. If you're going to do. It. Yeah, and of course, I guess because you're always next to the water, you know, you want to make sure you're aware of your surroundings. Don't go into the water. You need yeah. to be able to swim. If you're doing the kayaking, have your life jacket on and all that kind of stuff to make sure that you keep yourself yeah, especially, safe. Yeah, especially if you've got kids. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And big rubber gloves as well. Like you're dealing with lots of you're, the, predominantly, you're going to catch a lot of nails, so everything's sharp. So just be careful. Yeah, and there's a lot of bugs in soil and river water, and of course, we've seen all over the news recently with the the um, the contamination of the water due to the different water companies dumping sewage and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, you want to you know keep your own health in mind. Make sure yeah. you're wearing the gloves. You don't want to get cut by like really rusty stuff and then end up getting um, what do they call it when you get lockjaw. 
you get your tetanus that's it you don't want to end up getting tetanus yeah tetanus yeah <laughs> keep your tetanus chaps up to date if you think you're really at risk of that all the time but yeah you have to be careful so uh, yeah I totally agree and that in itself is a brilliant top tip gary um right what other hobbies do you have maybe that you'd recommend you you already seem like you've got quite a couple so um so i actually i was my main other hobby is actually poker I play a lot of poker. Ah. Uh, well, I say that I'm, I'm not. I don't like gambling because I'm not. I'm quite a tight player. Um, but it's it's what I. It's it's quite a good social game for me. So I, I like to go and kind of just play a bit of cards with. Yeah. With my 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 friends. That's kind of kind of what I do. Yeah. I do I do a few sports like like a bit of running, um, and I um I'm really good at editing movies, which which is um is weird because I don't have a YouTube channel. Um, and I think because I enjoy editing, because I do it a lot with work, because it, I put so much, you get, can end up doing like 10 or 12 hours on a video, and I just don't have time to do that and Magnificent at the same time. Yeah. So I've avoided YouTube um, and so stick to Instagram because it's quite quick. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It is, isn't it? You just bish, bash, bosh, post it, and it's done. Um, it takes me a good yeah. like six hours to edit each podcast. So yeah, I don't think people um, sometimes comprehend, and some of the people we've already um, interviewed, so Grim Bleeper and um, Dawn and Paddy, um, they they obviously do their big YouTubes, and and that in itself is a hobby. Learning editing and the best way to do it, and doing the yeah. fancy tricks and all that stuff. So yeah. Right, we're going to move on to the bucket lister section now. This is the bit that most people look forward to. So, um, Gary, what is your own personal bucket lister that you haven't found yet that you're really looking forward to one day finding? My, my, I think my the thing I'd like to find. I found I found hundreds of knives, but I've never found a sword whilst um, magnet fishing. I've, I've been with a guy who caught a sword and was right next to me, which was quite annoyed. Yeah. Um, and I found a, I was it like a 1796, um, scabbard wow. for light infantry while I was mudlarking, but I don't, ca- I don't count that because that's a different hobby. I still want to find a sword for whilst magma fishing. So that's, that's my, uh, that's my bucket list at the moment or a crossbow, but I think that's probably <laughs> either would be wonderful, right? <laughs> Maybe you get both in the same day. <laughs> lovely lovely stuff and um the question for you for our listeners is what item would you like to place on the detecting history podcast ultimate bucket lister list so this is a list that we're putting out there uh, so newbies and experienced people uh, searchers of history alike can look at um and add to their own personal bucket list well i catch a lot of um safes and cash boxes and they are almost always empty. Um, I've only ever found one that had anything in it. It was just a bunch of keys. So I'm going to add and a safe with some actual money in it <laughs> or something of like that. Yay. There you go. <laughs> actual treasure. <laughs> I like it. Actual treasure. Yeah, that would be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> so we will we will pop that on the bucket list list. And then I'll, I usually do a little bit of extra info on the Patreon episode as well. So I'll, I'll have a research and I'll find someone that's actually found a safe with money in. And I'll do a little <laughs> bit on that and who that was and where in, where in the world that was. <laughs> anything else you want to uh, catch us up on? Anything you're doing? Anything you're doing in the future? Or is your plan just to keep on keep on plugging away when you've got more time, once you've got the house in order after your big move? 
what are you up to? Well, at the moment, the the house the house is the biggie at the moment. Um, but I've got a big garage, so I'm hoping to put in uh, like a, a heart. We're going to chop it in half, and I'm going to have a workshop because uh, at the moment, every time I clean stuff up, it's always in my garden. Um, so I want a proper, a proper yeah. workshop. So that's what that's my aim at the moment. Um, I'd I'd like to get into into metal detecting a bit more. Um, still chasing the gold. Um, I've got I've been working on my gold dance, so uh, yeah, uh, I'm ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff, good stuff. Well, um, everyone will be listening to this and then uh, hopefully seeing you on some group digs. And yeah, everybody's so so helpful. We always talk about the community and how helpful they are. So I'm sure your finds will improve rapidly, and we'll look forward to seeing the progress of your workshop. <laughs> but for now, thank you so much for joining us on the Detecting History podcast. It's been so interesting. I've learned a lot about magnet fishing. So thank you very much. You're very welcome. Thank you very much for, for, for having me. Lovely stuff. Take care. Bye. Okay. Bye. There you go, everybody. Did you enjoy that? I really enjoyed that. I found out so much about magnet fishing and things you need to uh, think about before you get going and just how expensive the magnets are and best techniques and things to watch out for. So a big, massive thank you to Gary, Magnet Fishing Menace. On Instagram, it's magnet underscore fishing underscore menace. Time for my usual please now. Um, if you could please uh, rate, give us a thumbs up, subscribe, share any socials you see about podcasts. That will really help us out. Uh, don't forget we have an Etsy store. So go over to etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash detecting history pod. That's quite hard to say. Um, and also we have our Patreon. Pop over to patreon.com forward slash detecting history podcast and you will get all of the extra episodes that we do with each of our guests, as well as hearing me deep uh, dive deeper into the ultimate bucket list, a list item that was placed on the list by the guest of that week. Thank you very much. I look forward to speaking to you throughout the week on the socials and make sure you tune in for next week's episode. It's going to be a cracker. Bye. Mm-hmm.